Shooter. Uh, I think I first met Brian, uh, one of my good friends, Diane, was working at Westwood, and I came out and uh, was hanging out there and got to meet Brian. And then Brian came and spoke at our high school retreat that we do, the MEA Getaway. Um, gosh, do you remember what year that was, Brian? I, don't, I can't remember. Six years ago. I Six think. years ago, yeah. Our yeah. So was two and she's ten now, so eight years. Okay, eight years. <laughs> really good at math. Um, He's going to be talking about math all weekend. Um, Tangents, all things. Exactly. Um, anyway, I, I really got a chance to, to know him up at Castaway as we hung out in between times, and, uh, and I was just so excited that um, he was able to do this. Uh, he is now at a church he just planted called The Branch, and uh, I got to go out there this past weekend. He was on vacation, but I got to go and hang out with uh, the people there. Great, great crowd there. And I uh, met Brad, so that was really fun. So uh, anyway, I'm really excited for Brian to share with us this week, and I think you're really going to enjoy him. So I'm going to have him come up. I'm going to pray over Brian, and then uh, I'll turn it over to him. He can tell you all about his wonderful family and all those good things. So Father, we thank you so much for this day, this day that was not promised, but, but you have given it to us. And uh, you know that, uh, or we know that you have us all here for a purpose that this is no accident that we're here. It's no accident that Brian is up speaking to us. And the words that he shares, Lord, we pray are just flowing from you, using him as a vessel. And uh, we're just so grateful for uh, him being willing to do this uh, and for his uh, life of following you, um, which is such a beautiful thing. So, Father, would you just bless Brian, bless his words, uh, just bless our uh, time together. Open our ears, Lord, to what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, buddy. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. I'm just so excited to be here. But, you know, one of the things about camp that I love is we all share experiences. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there was an incident last night. Um, some of you may know about this incident, depending on where you were sleeping on the property. But this was a significant incident. It was a loud incident. It was a horn. It was a car horn. It was a car horn at 5 a.m. Right outside our window. Like right outside our window. And I don't know about you, but when you wake up from a stupor, there's a, there's a progress that happens. When you hear something extremely loud that shakes you out of bed, the first thought you might have if you're like me is, is that actually happening? <laughs> and then the second question, you get curious, what is that noise? And then as your brain computes, you're realizing you are totally helpless. At least I felt totally helpless. Because even if I were able to gain access to this car that was blowing its horn at 5 a.m., I wouldn't know what to do. And so then I went from helplessness to panic because I'm like, we're going to be dealing with this for like three hours. <laughs> this is going to wake up all the kids it's going to be a bad day because they're going to be crabby all day long. But eventually, after a few minutes, Courtney and I grabbed our car keys. We're looking through like the, like the shade, like whose car is that? Is that ours? Like we're turning on our locks off and on just to make sure. But then eventually, I think Pete came on his bike. So Pete, let's give it up for Pete. He saved the day. <laughs> But one of the things that I love is there's going to be a lot of moments that we share in that. But 
um, again, just so eager to be with you, to, to meet a lot of you, to just uh, get to know you through the time that we have, and to share really what God wants for us all to experience. Just a little bit about us. My wife, Courtney, and I have been married for almost 15 years. We have two kids, Everett, who is tw- uh, 12, and then seventh grade, and then our daughter, Hadley, who's 10, and fourth. We live in the Excelsior area, nearby Lake Minnetonka. And uh, like Pete said, uh, I've been in ministry for about 20 years. Half of that time was in youth ministry. So camp, camp is my jam. I love camp. There's just something about it that's really significant. We have mountaintop experiences. We have shared experiences that will not leave us the same because that's the way that God works. Uh, But then the second half of my ministry experience has been in adult ministry. And then about two years ago, God just undeniably stirred my wife and I to something new. And as we continue to follow God's leading and prompting, just a step at a time, we realized he was calling us to plant a church. And so we are church planters. Didn't see that one coming. Maybe you have stories like that in your life where God just gives you this 90-degree turn that you didn't see coming. That's what this has been for us. And it's just been such an incredible gift. And, um, and it's just been amazing. So uh, grateful to God for what he's doing. Um, As we're kind of together in these times, what I would love to encourage you to do while we're uh, having these large group times together is to bring your Bible with you. Uh, Because I just want to read right out of it. I'd love for us to page through it. It's been kind of a new thing that that I've been doing in in teaching and uh, preaching is just let's get into the scriptures. Let's open them up. Let's read it right out of the Bible. So bring them with you for these sessions. And one of the things that I also just know, without a doubt, because I experience it in my own life all the time, is that this, this is what changes us. Nothing that I say has the capability or the capacity to change us. Nothing that I say is sharper than a double-edged sword. Nothing that I say is, is alive and active and capable of separating sword or, or, or um, yeah, you know, <laughs> whatever that says. But this is the word that changes us. I had a seminary professor that would teach uh, about the Bible, and I remember being in a class around the Gospels, and at the end of it, he would take his Bible, which is like this, it was leather-bound, he was kind of a sweaty guy, and he'd put it on his face and he'd just stare at us until it got uncomfor- like uncomfortable. He's like, dude, can you relieve us from this moment? I'm, we're now completely on just whatever you're gonna say. And he would say this, he would say, keep the word of God close to you, and let it change you. And that's what we want to do this week. So what we're going to do throughout our time together is we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. It's it's my favorite book of the Bible personally because of a lot of reasons that I'll share as we go about the journey that we're going to have together over the next few days. Uh, But a few uh, months ago, I was reading through this book again, and I kept hitting this phrase, two words, in Christ. I'd never seen that phrase before in this book, and I'd read it countless times. Maybe you have an, an example of that from your life where you've read the Bible, you've read something that's so familiar, but then all of a sudden, boom, there's something that pops. For me, that was one of the moments as I read this, in Christ. And what that just kind of clarified for us is really what it means to be in Christ. It's a difference. So when we choose to follow Jesus, when we're following him, what is different about us? Well, we're in Christ, and there's lots of implications throughout this book that we're going to explore over the next few days. Um, There's powerful truths in Ephesians about our identity. There's just nuggets of encouragement to follow Jesus that when applied, change us and apply right now especially. And there's a strong challenge for us to not stay idle. 
So I don't know about you, but it's easy for me in my faith journey to stay idle. And God always wants to push us and encourage us out of our comfort zones. Just a little bit of context before we dig in. That always matters when we study the scriptures. Ephesians, simply, some of you know this. Maybe this might be new info for you, but it's a letter. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. It's some of the last things that he'll write around AD 60 to this church. He was affectionate for this church. We learn in Acts chapter 19 that he stayed with them for three years. He was in this city for three years church planting, stirring up the gospel, the movement of God and beginning this new church. He was affectionate towards them. It was primarily a Jewish audience. And they were following the way of Jesus. They were changing their lives. In fact, there were riots and uprisings because of what God was doing in this city as a result of the things that people were leaving behind them as they became new in Jesus. It was threatening just their commerce because all of that was corrupt and broken. God was literally changing this city and these people for his good. There's been a seismic shift, and God wants us all together to live differently. And so what we're going to find this morning is that in Christ, we've been given every spiritual blessing. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. Let me just re read this for us. This is the first chapter of Ephesians 1, and then I'll spend some additional time unpacking it. If you have your Bible, feel free to turn it, uh, to it now. Maybe you've got your phone, you've got your YouVersion app. Go ahead and open it up. If not, just listen to these words as I read over them. Here's what he writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. That's Jesus. You hearing this thread in Christ? Verse 7, in him, in Christ, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure in Christ, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth under Christ. In him, in Christ, you hear this? In him, we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that who, we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Man, that's meaty. I mean, we could explore that for a long time. Every word is choice, and every word makes a difference. Here's a few things that I want to unpack, and if you've got your Bible, just keep them open. I'm going to come back to that, do a couple points in it. First of all um, is the concept of blessing. 
So one of the first things we hear in verse three is that in Christ we are given what? Just a few blessings? No, in Christ we are given every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. Thoroughly, fully, completely. Every spiritual blessing. I want to share just a little bit about this. I've spent a fair amount of time talking to a good friend of mine in our church about the concept of the fa- a father's blessing. A central thread of his experience of his upbringing in his life ha- has been and had been a strained relationship with his father to which he thought like he was never really good enough. And he found himself throughout his life striving and straining to attain something, and he didn't know what that was, um, to which he just kept pursuing. But in recent years, he's been able to identify why, in that he never really received what was the concept of a blessing from his dad. And that was a brokenness that he operated out of for years until he was finally able to identify it. And it doesn't mean that he's perfect or complete or whole and healed from that necessarily, but it was a breakthrough moment for my friend to just recognize, okay, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because there's a vacuum. But he has received the Father's blessing, the Heavenly Father's blessing. There's no longer a vacuum, and he's realizing that he's whole and complete in Christ. In the Old Testament, a father's blessing to his sons was a really significant deal. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all give formal blessings spoken to their children. And receiving a blessing from one's father was a high honor, and losing one was a curse. It included words of encouragement. It included details of each son's inheritance and prophetic words concerning their future. So it was a blessing of, I see this in you, but this is what you have to anticipate for your future. Jacob said, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies and your father's sons will bow down before you. And then in, uh, uh, later on, it was a prediction. Judah's descendants later would become the tribe from which David came and then Jesus comes out of that. The Bible emphasizes the importance of a father's blessing, of a parent's blessing. It's words of affirmation, words of hope, and words of challenge in a big way, in a major way, but then in little subtle ways throughout just the way that we go throughout our life. In many ways, we crave that blessing. Some of us have gotten and received blessing from our parents. Others may not have throughout our lives and will operate in line with what we've received or what we have not received And I think some of us have a vacuum, a restlessness of attempting to achieve something that in hopes would help us to know that we've arrived at being affirmed, encouraged, accepted, and received. And what we've got to know is a couple things. First of all, in Christ, we have received what? Every spiritual blessing. It's already ours. We don't need to try to attain it. We don't need to try to strain for it or strive for it. It's already ours. God has given us every spiritual blessing. And then, as dads, as moms, as grandparents, grandma, grandpa, we have an opportunity to bless our children every day, every single day. And I just have been thinking about this time when we got here, and what just nudged me around this talk was that I think we've got a lot of opportunity over the next few days, we've got so much opportunity. I don't know about you, but it feels like our lives, we're, like we're church planting out of our basement right now, and it's like life is just this gigantic blender with a lot of elements, and the th- blades are turning super fast. 
And it's not uncommon for us to go through a week and just feel like, man, what was, where did that week go? To drive our kids to sports practices or to be together as a family. And I know for me, I probably get it wrong more than I get it right. But we have a unique and profound opportunity over the next few days to bless our kids and to bless each other. I don't know about you, but I'm tempted sometimes more to speak words out of maybe a different emotion. <laughs> maybe when our kids kind of get to us. Maybe when, as spouses, we might get to each other. The propensity to speak words of not blessing, I think, are much more accessible than words of blessing. So let's change the script this week. Look for opportunities to bless your kids. Speak words out loud. Let them know that you affirm them, that you love them, that you encourage them. A lot of us, all of us are probably doing that already, but let's pour it on this week so that this week God makes it a deposit in our kids and in our own hearts together that's reflectant of the truth that in verse three, in Christ we have what? We have received every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing. And I think that's gonna be fun because I think this is gonna be a moment that our kids and we look back on that think, man, what a blessing. Now, in Christ, what are these spiritual blessings? You know, when we think about blessing, we think about materials. It's normal, it's human, right? So if I think about the way that I'm blessed today, we have a really great cabin <laughs> that's next to a car that blows its horn at 5 a.m. <laughs> we view that as a blessing. We have a car that didn't break down back and forth getting here. That's a blessing. We have a home that we live in. That's a blessing. We have uh, just an experience of living in a community that we love. That's a blessing. But again, those are all material, circumstantial things. What does it mean when Paul writes spiritual blessing? Well, in Greek, the word blessing means eulogy. It's interesting. When do we give eulogies? When someone dies. And what are those eulogies consisting of? Words of blessing. We affirm that person. It's kind of too bad that we don't eulogize each other before that moment. But those are words of blessing. Those are words of encouragement. Those are things spiritually, so spiritual blessings, they're of the eternal. They are not physical. They don't go away. They don't rust. They don't corrode. They don't fail. These are spiritual blessings, spiritual eulogies of truth that goes beyond who we are. Now, there's four that I have kind of rested in as I've read through the words that I just read a few uh, moments ago in Ephesians 1. And what I want to do is just share these, not in line thinking that you're going to remember them all, but God may have one of these that he wants to just inject in your heart this morning in a way that you just will remember. And so I want to encourage you to write those down, to write it down, to just remember it, and to maybe identify the reason why we need that. So first, a spiritual blessing that we hear about in Ephesians chapter 1 is this, that he chose us. He chose us. Now, when you were growing up, maybe you had this experience, but I tried out for a lot of sports. Emphasis on I tried out. Because I had other strengths when I was growing up, and I still have other strengths. Athletic prowess is not necessarily my deal. But I remember as a kid watching my friends who had it, and we'd try out next to each other. They would get a phone call, and I wouldn't. And I would wait for that phone call to come. Travel basketball. Well, Brian, you are going to be in in-house basketball this year. Okay, 
Great. So I got this cheap jersey that like flipped inside and out and they got all their travel gear with the sweatpants that said Mustangs on the side. But one year, I tried out for the majors in baseball. I was going into my sixth grade year and I had an incredible tryout. Like as a catcher, if, if some of you have played baseball, you know that as a catcher, one of the most exciting plays that you get is when someone tries to seal second base. And during my tryout, I remember just piping it right here every time. But honestly, I was so conditioned to the reality of, well, I guess I'll just, you know, play the not major league this summer. But when that phone call came, Coach Larry Nutter, <laughs> Brian, we'd like you to play for the Milwaukee Brewers. I made it. I kind of couldn't believe it. I was chosen. And my mom, being who she was, like threw a confetti up in the air and like got these Mylar balloons that I don't know what they said, but it had to be like, you did it, son! You made the majors! But I'll never forget what it was like to get that phone call and be chosen, to be selected. Now, it didn't ever happen again, <laughs> in sports at least, but there's something significant in the human soul to know that we're chosen. What does it say? For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Isn't that interesting? Park on that. He chose you in Christ before the creation of the world. You. To be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. In verse 5, adoption to sonship. And then 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now there's lots of theological sidebars that we could go on. Let's not. Let's just stay right in the middle. You are chosen. You are chosen. It's a designation that up until this point only Jewish people could claim, but now it was for the whole world. Jew and non-Jew, Gentile, included. Let me unpack this because I feel like this is something that we can explore more. In Christ, it's not just chosen in a way that makes us emotionally feel good, like that phone call that I got from Coach Nutter. In Christ, it's something so much bigger. Before the creation of the world, we were chosen in His sight. Second, we would be holy and blameless. How many of you today, this morning, feel holy and blameless? How many of you, as you were getting ready for camp yesterday, felt holy and blameless? I'm not raising my hand. Especially when you got young kids. That's not necessarily a moment that's crafted to create holy and blamelessness in you. No, but there's something different. There's something more true about us than our frailty and our sinfulness. Even though we are sinful, even though we're broken, even though we oftentimes get it wrong, God has chosen us to be holy and blameless in his sight. How? Well, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Next, he works it out in Christ. Did you hear that? He's working things out. What does that mean? We're going to make a thousand failures. While we're up here, we will, we will have moments that we don't bless our children. But he's going to work that out. He's going to take our frailty, our humanness, and move it more towards being like Jesus every single day. When we trust Jesus as Lord, we're covered, but we're becoming something greater than we can on our own. He's working that out for his good and his glory. We're adopted. I have some friends of mine, was my roommate in college. They dealt with infertility, really, their, their whole marriage. And so as a result of the way that God called them into 
uh, addressing that, they chose to adopt. They've adopted three kids. And he shared a picture with some of us um, who were alongside of them in prayer after they finalized the adoption of their second, their daughter. And he's a 6'8 human. Like, he's a 6'8 human. He's huge. So it's this picture of them in the courtroom. You can see the judge up on her seat. And she has just pronounced that officially, designatedly, this daughter is now theirs. And my friend, Matt, is holding his daughter up like it's the Lion King. (laughs) And he's looking up at her. He's got tears coming down his face. And that girl is theirs. She's not an orphan. She's theirs. They chose her. They adopted her. She is now a part of that family. And spiritually, this is the spiritual blessing. You have been adopted to being in the house of God, in the family of God. You belong. You are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. And lastly, it's in accordance with his pleasure and will. It pleased God to choose you in the way that he has. Do you know that? Just rest in that. This is stuff we skip so easily. It pleased God to choose you because it's in accordance with his will and his purpose. So when God looks at you, he sees you as a son or a daughter and it pleases him to do so because he loves you. How many of you need to know today that you are chosen? That you are chosen. Second spiritual blessing is that he redeems us. So here's what it says in verse six and seven. If you have it open, read along with me. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Now, history lesson. Redemption in um, Roman culture was a pretty common thing. And what did that mean? It was a practice in which a slave would be set free through a payment a ransom, a redemption payment. There's a transaction that costs something in order for this person to go free. Psalm 49, 7 through 8 said this, No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. But was that always going to be true? No, of course not. Because there was a payment that was enough, and you know where I'm going but the payment was the life of Jesus. His death on the cross, his blood shed for you, for the redemption, for the ransom of your sin to free you from the bondage of your sin, to free you from your enmity with God, to free you for a whole new journey with him, to be set free. Now there's a couple things from this passage that again, I just want us to understand the weight of redemption here. One is it's for the redemption, it's for the forgiveness of our sin. Again, none of us are perfect. We've already gotten it wrong this morning, this day. It may be subtle, it may be something that you're not even aware of, but it's for the redemption, the forgiveness of our sin, that as far as the east where the sun rose today over Lake Carlos, did you see the sunrise this morning? Just peeking right through the clouds. As far as the east is from the west where it's gonna set tonight after the journey that we have today, that's how far. He's removed our sin from us. It's for the forgiveness of our sin. Second, our redemption is a gift of grace that's given freely, that's lavished on us. That word lavished is really significant. Here's what it means. 
It means in Greek to superabound. You ever use that phrase before? I'm going to superabound. Maybe your kids come in the door today. I'm going to superabound with an ability to do everything that you ask. That's what the word lavished means to pour out in excess. To pour out in excess. Not just abundance, but superabundance. What does God pour out in excess, in superabundance for you? It's His grace. It's His grace. It's His mercy. For what purpose? For the purpose of redeeming us and making us whole. In Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, God redeems us. Thirdly, in Christ, He will bring unity. I'm going to speak to that tomorrow morning because Ephesians is a book that calls for the unity of the church and we get to display that together across multiple different backgrounds this weekend. It's awesome. But in Christ, he's going to bring unity. Here's what it says. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Think about that. One of the spiritual blessings that God wants to give to his people is to bring unity to not just some things, but to all things in who? In Christ. You see how that's all over this book? But what's more important is I want you to see what's all over the heart of God, that in Christ, there's something so different about us. I want us to rest in those words, to bring unity in all things. Paul in Colossians 1.20 said that the church of Colossae, and through Jesus to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things by heaven, making peace through his blood. I think this is significant for us because we live in such a fractured time. I don't need to be the one to tell you that. There's so much division. There's so much brokenness. And that means something significant for all of us because we see kind of the meta brokenness, the big brokenness, but I know for a fact that in all of our lives in this room, there's division that we navigate. There's brokenness that we navigate. And what God is doing in Christ is to bring unity to those divisions, to bring unity to the divisions in your family, to bring unity to the divisions in church, to bring unity to the divisions in this world because guess what? We sang about it a second ago. No government, no policies, no efforts other than Jesus Christ himself is going to bring unity that this world desperately needs and we get to display that together this week and live it out when we go back home. Fourth spiritual blessing. Again, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here's just the fourth that pops. It's this, that he guarantees our salvation. He guarantees our salvation. Here's what it says. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Here's the truth that we have to know. When we are in Christ, God doesn't let go of us. We are the possession for the praise of his glory. And one of the reasons why I say that is because I don't know about you, but as a human being, when I... <laughs> That's fun. Is that me? We don't know. That's all good. Where was I going? 
I can lose my train of thought easily. Okay, we're the possession. We're, we're his possession. I don't know about you, but as a human being, sometimes I can fail God, I can sin, I can break God's heart and just like have a temptation thought of, man, God, you must be, you must be really disappointed in me and man, I hope that you still love me. And maybe for some of you, maybe even wonder like, has God turned his back from me because of whatever I'm struggling with? The answer is no. The answer is no. In Christ, your salvation is guaranteed and you are one who is possessed. We usually use that term as it reflects evil and negativity. You are possessed by God. You are his possession. His prized possession. I don't want to reach my hands up too high because the, the shirt is short, but you are... You are his prized possession, like my friend Matt, who lifted his new adopted daughter up in that courtroom. You are his prized possession to the praise of his glory, and nothing can separate you from his love. Romans 8, neither height nor depth, powers nor principalities, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to do what? To separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, in Christ in Christ, we are given every spiritual blessing. You are chosen in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. We have unity that we get to just explore this week in Christ himself, and your salvation is guaranteed. And in Christ, you are never the same. You are never the same. And in Christ, God's never done. And what I know to be true in a weekend, a week like this that we have in front of us, that never doneness is going to manifest itself in your heart this week because God has some stuff for you. God has some stuff for our kids and he wants to form us and mold us and shape us to leave this mountaintop, Mount Carmel, after being together with him in a way that's different than when we drove up last night. And that's exciting. So let's be in Christ this week. Let's keep that to the top of our minds. Would you join me in prayer as we close? <clears throat> God, it's amazing when we just open up your word that you, you speak through it. And I pray that just what I represented up here and what we read, most importantly, would do the work that you have to do in our hearts. God, your word performs redemptive surgery. And that's a beautiful thing. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do that work in us? Move us from where we were when we drove up last night to something different, to being more like you. And God, that begins by us anchoring in the truth that we are in Christ. We are in Christ when we trust in you as our Lord and Savior. And we will never be the same. So God, as we explore that, just meet us. Would you speak to our hearts? And Lord, we welcome you. We know that you're with us always and we just open up our hearts and we acknowledge your presence today and throughout this week. And I pray that this time for all of us would be a blessing that's reflectant of every spiritual blessing that you've given to us in Jesus. I pray for our children and our grandchildren that are downstairs and running about. Lord, would this week be a moment in their lives that they look back to as a shared experience that they know that they met you here as we were together. 
And God, would you change them? And for our families, in the many different ways that that looks for all of us in this room, Lord, would you just pour your blessing out? Would you just pour your blessing out in abundance? Pour out those spiritual blessings in a way that just affects us, that changes us, that shapes our lives. And may we trust in you, may we look to you. And God, I also just pray for a sense of joy that we'll all navigate together with you this week. Lord, we look to you. We're in you. And so, Jesus, it is in your name that we pray these things. And everybody said, amen. Pete.